0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Paranormalized, where our goal is to normalize the concept that life goes on after death. This is our weekly podcast, facilitated by local tour agency Haunted Cincinnati, where we share personal experiences, explain the science behind ghost hunting, and attempt to answer questions about the unknown. I'm your co-host, Drew.
1: I'm Alex. And I'm
2: Alicia.
0: And welcome to Paranormalized.
2: So in last week's episode, we discussed the basics of ghost hunting and the equipment needed to get started. This week, we promised that we would be discussing more high-tech and optional equipment in depth. What piece should we start
1: with? Uh, I think we should start with a spirit or ghost box. So it works by rapidly sweeping through different radio frequencies to create white noise. Spirits are supposed to be able to harness this energy to speak through the box by using full words or stringing parts of words together that are spoken over the radio. Paranormal investigators have been able to get full sentences out of Ghost Box, but it's more likely you'll only get a few words. It's the best way to hold a conversation of sorts with ghosts, since you'll get an answer right away, and you don't have to wait to review audio later. Spirit Boxes are easily purchasable through suppliers such as Amazon, and they range in price from $70 to $130, depending on manufacturer and features.
2: I have kind of a weird question about Spirit Boxes, just because I don't have as much experience with them as everyone else does. Um, I've seen a lot of people using them over the years, and I've always wondered how they can justify the presence of a single word as evidence, when it could just be a word from an actual radio broadcast that has leaked through. I mean, with the rapid channel scanning, I'm sure every once in a while it hits on a channel that is not static, and you get fragments of an actual broadcast, right? So what do you think is necessary for the spirit box to provide actual believable evidence?
0: Usually, one-word responses aren't evidence, at least in my opinion. In order for it to be believable, it needs to be consistent, intelligent responses, preferably in sentences. One should not reach for evidence. Like, Take, for example, if the spirit box let out a word such as wheat, and then you are in Over the Rhine, which is famous for their beer. And you associate wheat with beer and then OTR, so that has to be something intelligence talking to you. That's just not the case. It needs to be consistent, intelligent responses to questions you're actually asking it. It can't just be random words that don't fit in with whatever you're saying to them. Personally, I've only seen the ghost box work on a couple of occasions. And it's always been through negative energy. The first time, actually, that I experienced it was the first time I ever turned a spirit box on, in which it very rapidly told me to get the F out. Uh, The second time that I ever experienced activity with a ghost box was at Mansfield Prison, and I asked what their name was, and instead of giving me a name, the spirit box began spitting out numbers nonstop, just number after number after number, which would be what a prisoner would be identified as their numbers. And then the third time I ever experienced it working would be at Waverly Hills Sanatorium in the lobby, which is allegedly host to one of the most negative spirits in Waverly Hills. And there we kept getting things of the nature of F-U-B word, things of that nature, just repeatedly telling us many, many cuss words, most of them derogatory towards women. It was very aggressive and very sexist Things that you would not at all hear on the radio and things that were very well formed and put together, you could tell that something aggressive was communicating with us. So just to repeat it, if it's going to be believable evidence, it can't be just one word or if it is one word such as yes or something, it needs to be consistently said. Like more than once, you need to answer it more than once for it to be any sort of believable evidence.
1: Should keep in mind, ghost or spirit boxes are loud.
0: (laughs) They are very loud and they are very difficult to listen to.
1: You'll have to ask your questions loudly, like yelling over the spirit box.
0: And you'll have to have a keen ear. They are very, very annoying to listen to. They are sweeping through a radio frequency very quickly and very loudly. But that's enough about spirit boxes, I believe.
1: Uh, Next up, we have laser grids. So laser grids spray a grid of red or green dots against a surface like a wall. So any movement in front of it blacks out the dots. And it's the best way to see shadow figures that may be walking down hallways or hanging out in corners. You should always use these in conjunction with other equipment. It's a neat, neat way to see if there's a presence nearby. And if you do see a shadow figure, you can try setting up a recording session to see if they'll speak with you. Occasionally, you'll even see a shadow figure stop in front of the lights for longer periods of time, but usually it's quick movements around the corner of the grid or a rapid walk through the middle. Expect to pay about 20-ish dollars for a reliable laser grid, and you're going to want more than one if you're going to cover a whole room. Uh, so, laser grids kind of hit or miss. Uh, when I was in post-town with Dan one time, we had set two of them up in the corner of this room, which is was the lunchroom at one point. So, When uh, we were sitting down there, we actually saw two figures kind of standing right at the corner of the laser grids and they would peek in and look at us and then they would back out again. It's like they knew that we were trying to see them. So they were attempting to stay out of our line of vision. Uh, When Drew, Alicia and I were at Geyer Opera House, we had set up some laser grids on top of the stage and we actually had a figure stand in the laser grid deliberately for few minutes, I think. It, mm-hmm. it was about a few minutes. Yeah. It was really, that's one of the only times I've seen that happen where it actually stayed so you could see a human figure and it wasn't just a shadow popping in and out.
0: Yeah, most of the time with laser grids, you see anomalies just kind of darting by, covering up the lasers very briefly. But with this at Geyer Opera House, it was just there and not wavering. It was standing there, as we said, for a good few minutes. It was pretty significant to see.
2: Yeah, when I've used laser grids, I feel like every time other people will see things, like they'll see the lights black out all the time, and I always miss them. Every time. I am just not fast enough to notice. But at Guy Opera House, like, I noticed it. And me, being the oblivious person that I am, for me to notice it, that means there was something there. So.
0: Laser so grids, very useful piece of equipment. You should probably always have one wherever you decide to post up at just turn one on have at least one person be paying attention to them while you're asking questions and doing other things but moving on from those what else do we have
2: uh motion sensors yes which there are lots of different kinds of motion sensors uh most of them make some kind of noise to indicate motion uh some of them light up uh some do both Generally, you place them in doorways, intersecting hallways, or places that were high traffic when the place was still operational.
0: I know that REM pods are probably the most popular form of motion sensors with ghost investigators. They have a long antenna that will create a field around the pod when it's fully extended, and then anything that breaks the field will cause the REM pod to light up and emit a very loud and, frankly, terrifying noise. It sounds like you're in a horror movie when it goes off. Um, The noise then uses different pitches to indicate where the movement is around the pod and if the movement is moving. Other motion sensors can detect movement from slightly further away as they don't rely on self-contained fields, but REM pods are normally only available through specialized retailers such as GoStop.com. The most basic versions of them will run you about $200. And
2: I mean, really, if you're thinking about it, $200 for a really good motion sensor is really not that bad especially if it's something that you're going to be doing a lot and motion sensors are a great way to get a spirit to interact with you if they don't want to talk over EVP recorders you can still ask them yes or no questions but you can have them set the sensor off instead of moving towards like um Like one of the little devices we talked about in our last session, you know, move towards the sensor for yes, move away from it for no. And it's also, you know, like we said, a good indicator if there's anything in the room or hallway at all.
0: Yes, it is a good indicator whether or not there's a presence of anything paranormal going on in the room. Um, What else do we got?
1: So there are video cameras. Video cameras seem like they would be self-explanatory, but there's a lot more depth to them to ensure proper usage. Unless you have a large sum of money to invest, most video cameras are incapable of seeing in the dark by themselves. You'll need to invest in a video camera that has some sort of IR functionality. IR is infrared, which is essentially light undetectable by the human eye. Next, you need to purchase some IR lights. These will light up the room for the camera without actually emitting any detectable light by the human eyes. It's best to leave video cameras to run in a stationary location on their own to see if any phenomena occurs away from you. Some spirits are shy and will only manifest when you're not around.
0: Some spirits are indeed very shy. I know in my personal setup, we have four repurposed security cameras, which are capable of seeing in the dark on their own. Each of them is hooked up to the same DVR and monitor, so live feed can be observed from a base camp while simultaneously all footage is being saved to a DVR. I've only ever utilized video cameras in a couple of investigations so far, just because they're a new thing that I've acquired, but I've already received a significant piece of evidence from them. At Post Town Elementary School, on camera number three, pointing down the second floor hallway towards what is known as the mean teacher's room, an anomaly can be seen around 2.40 a.m. poking its head out slowly from a classroom on the left before quickly retreating back into the room.
2: And like Drew's setup, the more advanced setups you'll see investigators using thermal imaging cameras Thermal cameras create a heat map that show all the temperatures in the area of the lens. These cameras can be used to detect cold spots and sometimes will even pick up figures of individuals who cannot be physically seen. Just make sure you don't get them confused with a member of your party.
0: Yeah, that is very true. <laughs> Usually, actual people, well, always actual people, are going to be very orange-yellow figures on it because we are warm, warm blooded Warm-bloody yes. people. <laughs> Um, and when you see spirits that'll manifest on the thermal imaging camera, they will typically be gold, cold spots, so blue, purplish colors that you can see on there. We have not had much experiences with thermal imaging cameras because they are very, very expensive. But luckily, our boss Dan provides us with the expensive equipment, so we do not have to go out and get it. And recently, Alex and I went to Brindu Mansion to lead an investigation there over in Granville, Ohio. And we had our first experience with the thermal imaging camera ever picking up something. And it was when me, Alex, and another investigator were upstairs by ourselves on the third floor of the mansion. And we were getting a lot of activity. We kept seeing stuff run past the doorways and stuff. Like something was just playing some form of tag with us. And we were actually getting the first EVP responses of the night. And our other investigator pointed the thermal imaging camera at me and said that there was something very small next to me, almost child size, just standing next to me. And that would be accurate with what we believe we were interacting with because of the playful nature of it.
1: This is very creepy. I'm not a fan of (laughs) childlike entities. No, No, we are not fans of childlike entities. entities. But we
0: will explain that later. (laughs)
1: Uh, so another thing, this is going to be an unusual one, so bear with me. So something you can use is a 360, as in an Xbox 360 Kinect camera.
0: This is a very unusual piece of equipment.
1: (laughs) There's been a good amount of evidence captured with it, though. So, um, essentially you hook up a 360 Kinect to a monitor, ideally a mobile monitor, and you stand in the most active room to see if you can get an image of a spirit on the screen. So, obviously, it's not a full bodied apparition like you would hopefully get with a video camera or something, but you can see the Kinect outline of a person. So, our coworker Jason has seen things walk around with the Kinect, wave, and do little dances. Uh, keep in mind that you'll be needing to use this in a dark room, and so the Kinect will attempt to make people out of anything. So, if you point it at a tallish, straight object, it will likely attempt to force a human frame on it, so it's best to use in a mostly empty room. But if you're getting a significant amount of movement in a room that does have furniture, then you're probably actually capturing something.
0: Yes, like at Post Town, um, in the room that we like to refer to as the bad vibe room, we had the Xbox Connect, whatever you want to call it, strange device running in there. And it was producing very strange figures that were very disjointed and downright creepy looking. Very creepy. That were moving in very strange ways and they were it was not enjoyable to watch live. Let me tell you that much.
2: And I also have heard experiences about the Xbox Connect being really really useful at Post Town. There's one room that used to be an old gym but it has since been turned into a room just Filled with dolls, and it's the only room in post town that I refuse to go in. Yes,
0: the doll room. It's
2: oh god, it's god-awful. It's so bad. (laughs) I heard this story about how they were trying to use the Xbox Connect in the doll room, and it placed one of the little stick figures on a Raggedy Ann doll. And that doll the week before had flown off of the shelf. Which terrifying. Especially since Annabelle was a raggedy and doll. Yeah, for
0: those of you who do not know, Annabelle was not porcelain. She was a raggedy
2: and doll, which somehow makes her creepier to me. I agree. (laughs) But but, so I think that's really interesting that like it's not just, you know, tall ish objects. It'll try to place a human form on it'll also try to place them on anything resembling slightly a human form, including a doll. And the doll was apparently moving, and I don't like
0: it. I just don't like dolls, man.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, doll room is a special place in Post Town. It really is.
0: (laughs) Yeah, in case you haven't noticed so far, we're going to reference Post Town a lot, because it is one of our favorite locations, and where we get a large surplus of activity compared to other places. But moving on to other pieces of equipment, if you want something that will terrify you as much as it will help you, you may want to look into a device known as Boo Buddy. Boo Buddy is a teddy bear stuffed full of fancy equipment. He can detect changes in temperature in the electromagnetic field, and he can detect movement, including if he was touched or if something nearby is moved. Boo Buddy makes audible, note, audible notes if any of these phenomena occur. Additionally, BooBuddy can cycle through different question prompts ranging from asking their name to asking them to sing the ABCs, for example. I should note that BooBuddy has the voice of a child.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so he is a good piece of equipment if you're trying to communicate with a child spirit who may be too shy or scared to communicate directly with you. BooBuddy is only available through specialized retailers such as ghostop.com and costs about $300.
1: I just know that if we had a boo buddy, we would leave him in a room and forget about him and then walk back in and he'd say, Hi, I'm boo buddy. And we would just <laughs> knock him.
0: It just would knock him off him. the table. <laughs> we would have boo buddy, we would invest $300 in boo buddy and have him for one night because one of us would break him out of pure fear.
1: Oh, yeah, we'd leave him on the floor and just punt him across the room.
0: <laughs> we would deck him in some regard. Like, it's just creepy. Like, children. Are, I don't want to interact with any children's spirits for multiple reasons, and just hearing a child's voice in the dark, especially if I wasn't the one to set it up, I'd hit Boo Buddy. I would <laughs> break Boo Buddy in half. Yeah,
2: I'm very tempted to buy a Boo Buddy and just stick it in Drew's room, and then just, <laughs> just Hi, see Boo what happens. Oh <laughs> April Fools. <laughs> so. Moving on from the terrifying existence that is the Boo Buddy, um, there are also devices uh, like the obelisk or the Paranormal Puck. These devices house a large like dictionary of words, um, and allegedly spirits are capable of sifting through these words with different energy fluctuations and choose whatever word they want to respond with. And with these, you can receive intelligent responses in real time. And some investigators have even experienced full coherent sentences strung together by the device.
0: Now, I don't have any personal experience with the Obvious, so I can't speak on that regard. But I do not trust the results of the paranormal puck. The device pairs to your phone, and through an app, the phone spits out the words. And it seems to me that the device just reused the same 30 words on a cycle rather than anything that I would deem to be intelligent. Not to mention, I just, I do not trust any phone apps that claim to be for ghost hunting. Besides being able to record or light up a room, smartphones just don't possess the capabilities of the complex technology that actual ghost hunting tools require. (laughs)
2: Pretty true. And um, I will admit I have the iOvilus app on my iPhone. Oh my goodness. And (laughs) sometimes I really don't use it like during actual investigations or anything. I use it during my tours. Um, During our ghost tours, we actually have a section where we let people use smaller versions of ghost hunting equipment, um, usually just like in a park or something. And if I feel like my guests aren't being very thrilled with their experience, if they're, you know, being kind of ho-hum about it, I'll pull out the iOvalis and just let it say random words to me, <laughs> uh, because I feel like the words associated with iOvalis are kind of designed to be spooky.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> It'll randomly say, like, um... It'll, like, it said legion to me a bunch of times, which is a weird word to choose. Legion.
0: Legion, legion, legion.
2: Yeah, right? (laughs) Like, or it'll say October, and I'm like, really? October? It's the spookiest month. (laughs) It's the spookiest month. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's May. Come on.
2: (laughs) But um, it'll also say various words over and over again, like wheat and bacon, uh, which is... Hilarious, and I think that's where Drew got his OTR comment from earlier because it says wheat to me all the time right next to OTR. Uh, But again, it also says bacon. We live in Cincinnati. Porkopolis.
0: (laughs) Remember what I said about not reaching?
2: (laughs) They they are such Cincinnati words, and I, Ovalos, knows.
0: (laughs) I think bacon is just an American word. Americans love bacon. Americans
2: just love bacon. I, Ovalos, loves Bacon. Um, But also, you know, maybe this app does work, and the reason that it's cycling through these words is because I'm always using it in the same spot, and the same ghost just really wants bacon.
0: I doubt it, (laughs) but
1: I am of the opinion that that's not true. (laughs) But I want it to be true.
0: (laughs) Anyways, guys, I feel like we should mention Ouija boards.
1: I don't. Maybe just briefly? Mm. We should. Bad.
0: (laughs) Alright, so Ouija boards are in no manner a piece of ghost hunting equipment. Nine times out of ten, they're just pointless toys meant to entertain people around Halloween.
1: But what about that other one out of (laughs) ten?
0: For that one out of ten, they're essentially a dangerous game. There are a lot of different interpretations of Ouija boards, and there's a large debate if they even work at all in any capacity. So this is entirely an opinion on my half here. It is my personal belief that any spirit's capability of interacting directly with the living is entirely based on the energy of that person. People with energy levels that match closer to that of the beyond are more susceptible to interaction from the beyond. This to me is why psychics and sensitives may exist because they may possess the energy capable of being easily manipulated by the other side. For the people who possess this energy, the one out of ten, if you will, the Ouija board then becomes dangerous. It is believed by many paranormal researchers that Ouija boards open portals and bring in entities which are not meant to be there. And then these entities become very confused and angry because they're not where they're supposed to be. And I don't know, if you were just dragged in randomly somewhere that you've never been before, you'd probably be a little pissed off too. So these entities become very aggressive and negative, and bad things start to happen to people when this occurs. Other researchers suggest that those who experience activity with a Ouija board are those who already have a paranormal attachment of some manner. Ouija boards simply bring attention to this attachment, and then the activity amplifies intensely because of it. So in conclusion, Ouija boards are either useless toys or dangerous tools, and it's better just to leave them alone entirely, please. Don't do it. Just don't do it, man. Too late. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> don't do it again.
1: That's fair. I mean, uh, I I thought it was a good time, you know, standing around the board, staring at it, nothing happening.
0: Yeah, because you're one of the nine out of ten.
1: <laughs> That's fair. Oh, but what you mean is I should do it nine more times until something Until, until something happens. Yeah,
2: exactly. That's
0: not how probability works. But I like the
1: mindset.
2: <laughs> People always, like come up to me and ask me. They're, like, like about Ouija boards. And I always say, like, it's just better not to chance it. Just don't yeah, risk it. Yeah, it doesn't matter
0: what you believe. And, sh-
2: and then they say, but if they sell it at Barnes & Noble, how can it be dangerous? And I kind of want to punch them in the face and the heads of Barnes & Noble. Because, <laughs> for the just don't sell them. It'll make your life so much easier, Barnes & Noble. Like, how much are you actually selling where it's profitable to sell Ouija boards?
0: Probably a lot, sadly. Ah! <laughs>
2: but then it's like... If there's a possibility of it being, like, capable of ruining your life, just don't do it. Don't make these bad choices. If you want to make bad choices, make other bad choices.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's not worth the cheap Halloween thrill for, especially from the horror stories of personal experience that I've heard from people. Agreed. (laughs) And that's all I'm going to say about that.
2: (laughs) And that's also all the time we have for today uh come back next time on paranormalized where we will be discussing discussing (laughs) discussing advanced investigation techniques uh how to properly debunk and how to start analyzing evidence stay haunted cincinnati